0: Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. Today's episode is about the best way to handle the house when you're getting a divorce. Now, I sell a lot of homes all the time that the couple, the reason that they're selling is because of divorce, but a lot of times people don't understand what are the really the best ways to handle the house when they're getting a divorce. So my guest today knows all the options to consider and the best solutions for you to, to really understand, and then if you find yourself in that unfortunate situation of divorce, that you'll know the best way to handle the house. So uh, my guest is a certified financial planner. She's a money coach and a strategist. She's also the author of Minding Your Money and How to Get Divorced Without Losing Your Blouse, What Every Woman Needs to Know How to Protect Her Future. It's my privilege to introduce Patricia Stallworth. Hi, Patricia. Hello, how are you? (laughs) I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I am so excited to have you on today because actually, this is a really great topic and I think a great service to people that when they're getting a divorce. And in fact, I had a client the other day called me and tell me, I didn't even know that he was, you know, he and his wife were splitting up. Um, but that was why they're selling the house. And it's not that people wouldn't figure that out anyway. I I can tell you when buyers go through a house, they're always kind of playing mini detective seeing (laughs) what clothes are in the, you know, in the, the master closet and the pictures on the wall. But what do you find in all your research and, and assisting people financially? What are all the kind of the main options for, for people to know when, you know, as far as handling the house?
1: Well, you know, when you're going through a divorce, you, you when you think about it, you've got two main options. You can either keep the house, give it to, you know, one spouse or the other, or you can sell the house. So those are the two main things that that they look at. And then for each of those, there's kind of variations that you need that you can work out. Uh, For example, if you decide that you want to sell the house, but it's not possible at that particular time, maybe the house is underwater The market's down and you could lose money or perhaps you have a a student that's in high school that's going to graduate in a couple of years and you really don't want to disrupt that. So sometimes selling the house is it's a good thing, but it's not always a possible thing for for people to do.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, when people come to you, do they, are they, are they, they go over all of their kind of what's going on in the family, the situation with the other family members, And then you factor all of that in?
1: Absolutely. So uh, in the case of someone having a high school student, for example, and perhaps that's two years down the road that they're going to graduate and they don't really want to move and take them away from their friends. Divorces is upheaving enough, not, you know, for, for kids as well as for parents. So being able to stay in the house for maybe a couple of years is something that they want to try to do in some kind of way. So they might defer the, the sale of the house. And in that instance, one spouse might move out and uh, the other stay there with the kids, you know, until, until that time. Mm-hmm. And so... But that has its own set of, you know, as you can as you can realize with the both of you owning your own, still owning the house, that can have a its whole set of issues, uh, not the least of which the one spouse may not take care of the house, they may not make the payments, and all kinds of things can happen. So there's there's things that you need to put in place if that happens, or you can have just you just decide, you know, we want to keep the house, but neither one of us can really uh, uh, give it up at this point so you do own own the house together and in some cases you know uh, here's the here's the definition of insanity they not only keep the house but they live there together and so that really is is i, I don't know I've seen a couple of couples make that work, but in most cases, that's not something if you can't stay married, how can you live together kind of thing? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like, that is, as I said, the definition of insanity, trying to live with someone after you divorce them. Uh, But in other cases, what happens is, is that they decide, we don't, we still don't want to sell the house. And so maybe they rent the house out, you know, they find someone to come in and they're able to make the house payment and maybe they get a little profit. Uh, on the side as well. So that's another option for them. Uh, but in other cases, they really just cannot afford to keep the house. Once you get a divorce, if you're a two-income family, that splits the income in half. And so it's really difficult for maybe one spouse to keep it. So you may have to look at other things like a short sell. you know, mm-hmm. when you're when you're going to your lender and saying, can we sell it for less than, than what we owe kind of thing. And mm-hmm. finally, the thing that people uh, will do is just walk away. You know, it's like, we can't afford it. There's nothing we can do. And so they just walk away. And you know what happens to your credit score and everything when you do something like that. But if that's your only option, then that's your only option at that point.
0: hmm. Yeah, I have seen where um, one spouse stays in the property, and then the other spouse who moves out then you know, they're they're paying half of that. And then the other person is not paying. And, uh, and then of course, it's hurting, both of their credit not just Mm -hmm. the one who's not paying because of course like you said it's if it's a joint asset um you know that's going to hurt both of you right Uh, but the um the short sale situation now I know a lot of um a lot of times that will be something that I've handled because there's just not enough equity in the property but they do need to sell it um and you know what I always tell sellers to do is they're, you know, apply with their lender and they're going to have to write a hardship letter. That's, that's the case, no matter whether you're divorcing or not, but certainly divorce is one of the biggies, one of the main, one of the top four reasons that, um, that short sales are approved. That's been my experience. Um, because like you just said, you, it takes usually both incomes and once you no longer have both incomes in the house, they can't afford it regardless of whether there's equity or not. Right. Right. Absolutely. So what do you tell, um, tell your clients, what do you advise as far as, you know, when is the best, you know, what, what's the best time to sell the house?
1: Well, the best time to sell the house is really as soon as you realize that you're getting a divorce and that neither one of you wants or can afford to keep the house. And so sometimes that is even before you file, because in most cases, Divorce is not a surprise. You know, you, you've seen it coming for a long time. And so the if you can get your head wrap your head around that early enough, you can actually put the house up for sale and maybe get a decent price for it. I don't, I'm not sure about your market. But here in our market, it is a seller's market. So houses are going very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So that that could be a situation today where they could do something like that, put the house up for sale, and in a month or two, the house is sold, and they're able to go on with their divorce and get a decent price for it. Once uh, buyers find out that you have some type of vulnerability, especially something like you're going through a divorce, then your negotiating power goes down. So I always tell everyone to be as quiet as possible if that's something you're thinking about doing. Don't spread that everywhere get your go ahead and try and sell the house and then get your divorce and move on from there.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. That's really good advice that you know, people will buyers that will um, come in and, and kind of see that there's a there's a situation where they may be able to take advantage and kind of, you know, get a get a lower price, because people are wanting to hurry up and get the house sold so that's really true to get it done right away and maybe while you're still living in the house together
1: <laughs> right. Absol- absolutely absolutely as long uh, as it
0: doesn't become more of the roses <laughs>
1: right. yes I uh, that was a that was a really great movie yes.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah not for the house though <laughs> and I think the furniture took a, a hacksaw or whatever a yeah I, I think they totally
1: destroyed that house they they really did and and it's really sometimes funny when you're working with couples, they, they really get so upset over the least thing. You know, I've seen them fight over, over silverware or something like that. And it's like, you, you really have to keep your eye on the ball when you're going here. And the one thing that I always tell my clients is really think about divorce as a business transaction. And even though in many cases, the house is the largest asset that they have, you cannot take on really going ahead and keeping the house when you can't afford to keep the house. You know, you have to be sensible about the things that you're doing. And people get emotional attachments to houses and things like that. And, and you have to try and back away from that and really keep it in a make some money wise decisions at that point. And if you can't afford to keep it, you've got to just let it go.
0: That's so true. I find uh, that clients often will attach um, emotions to their house they'll attach um, a history and in fact uh, I had a client a few years ago that that I sold her house and she was a um, a widow and she'd been a widow for a long time and so she had a ton of really cool stuff antiques and so forth and a house full um, and then she had such a hard time letting go of mm-hmm. that of that property because it was like she was letting go of her husband but he'd been dead for, you know, 25 years. Uh, she just really had attached him to that house as if that was going to be her final goodbye. And I can remember her calling me and and I came and I said, look, you know, I'm not going to pressure you to sell your house if, if you don't want to. Because she literally put her head <laughs> in her hands like... Oh my God! You know she was just so totally stressed out about selling it that I felt like I was playing mini, you know, shrink. You know, like, <laughs> look, I'm not gonna. If, if you can't afford it anymore or it's time to move on, because actually in her case, she she'd actually found a new relationship. Um, oh. And yeah, lucky for her, she had found somebody that um, you know she wanted to to buy a property together with and move on with her life. But it was boy, it was really hard for her. And you know, we did get it done. Good news is she was. <laughs> Able to let it go. And I think she's extremely happy now in her new place. And, but it's, it's like you were just saying, it's, you know, people don't want to let go sometimes of what it means to them, what that house mm-hmm. means.
1: Absol- absolutely. And we get attached to things, you know, it's, it's, uh, in a house that you've lived in for 20, 30 years. Uh, there's a lot of memories there, you know, and every time you walk in the door, you know, there's a certain smell or there's a certain thing that you're, you're used to seeing and all of a sudden that's gone. And you're looking at that as well, that, that your marriage is gone and there's, it's tough. It's a really, really hard, it's a really, really hard thing. And one of the things that I always uh, tell my, tell my clients when I work with them is, is to give me the gun let me take the bullets out because you're gonna, you're gonna (laughs) shoot yourself. You're absolutely going to do it. And so one of the things is that emotional side, all those emotions come up when you start to when you go through the divorce thing, It's, 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 it's almost impossible for that not to happen. Even when you think it's a really good idea to get a divorce, you know, you still find yourself stuck with that. And the house is one of the things that just seems to hold everything together in a sense. And when you let that go, you're really, really letting go. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I could see a couple that's divorcing that would – be, you know, not wanting to let go of the house, because it's like letting go of the marriage and and what it represents that, you know, the, the failure of the marriage. But on the other hand, I would think there'd be a lot of sellers that would feel like, you know, they're so sick of the marriage that they're happy to let everything go. (laughs) Everything represents it.
1: (laughs) Well, well, it does go both ways. Not everybody is the same. And so you are going to have those people. It's like, yes, sell it, sell everything. You know, I've seen people with their wedding dresses online, sell it, sell it, sell it. (laughs) you know, kind of thing. I want it all to go. And then there are those others who are really, really just so like you, like your client that was just so attached to her house. Yeah.
0: So what are like, what's, what's like the biggest mistake that, you know, like if, if a spouse decides to let the other spouse keep the house, what's, what's the biggest thing to, to keep in mind to not do in that case? Well, in many cases what people think is
1: if, if I deed the house over to my over to my spouse, then I'm out of it. You know, I don't have to worry about it anymore. But when you deed the house, that just means that it's not your your property anymore. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not your mortgage anymore. So if you have a mortgage and you have a lender and your spouse that you, you turned over the house to is not going to pay that, then it is your problem because they're going to come after you as well because your name is still on the mortgage. So just because it's deeded to the other spouse does not mean that your obligations are gone. So one of the things that people forget to do or don't really consider is that the other spouse, the spouse that gets the house, needs to refinance it or in some way buy you out or something. Mm-hmm. so that so that your name gets off of that mortgage and so that is the that is the one thing that people don't do I always recommend to my clients that they actually um, have the spouse start or get the refinancing done before the divorce is final before you sign those final papers because it's so much easier to get stuff done before you sign the final papers than it is after you sign the final papers and in some cases uh, they're not able to, to make that happen before the divorce is final. And so I always recommend that they, you know, if, if, the, if their state allows it, and ours does, that you have something called a deed of trust to secure assumption, which means that you can take back the rights to the house, and you can actually be like a, a, second, like a sec- second lender, and you can foreclose on that house or make them sell it. Because what happens is if that spouse does not get refinanced and they don't make the payments, then they come after you. And so you're responsible and you have no rights to the property. So unless you put some things in place, uh, that's going to make it very hard on you. Another thing that I sometimes recommend is if you have to pay alimony to your spouse and um, you've given them the house, you've deeded the house over to them, that maybe you you Elect to pay the the mortgage payments versus giving them the alimony, so that you know those payments are made each month. Oh. Um, it gets to be really, you know, that's a really tricky situation when one spouse gets the house and you you've sort of given away all of your rights to the house, except that your name is still on the mortgage. That can be really really critical for you. So it's important for you at that point to also find out or. Work with your lend, work with the lender to see if they will notify you if payments are ever missed, so that you know what's coming down the pike.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I think that uh, Pat, that's really, really good advice. I really like your advice, uh, and people should really um, take heed of that. That so, what you're saying is really, if you know you're going to get a divorce, then you know, and you're before you ever actually finalize a divorce, get the whoever's going to stay in the house. If one, if you're not going to sell it, then refinance it, get the other spouse off so they're no longer, not just, like you said, the deed, but no longer on the mortgage. So they're no longer responsible. They can't, their credit can't be hurt if, that, if their soon-to-be ex-spouse doesn't pay or doesn't pay on time. Uh, and then the secondary things that you could do, sounds like uh, if you don't do that, aren't um, smart enough to do that ahead of time, and it's after the fact, then sounds like you could do a deed of trust so that you're basically a second lender, and you'd have callback rights, right? Right. Uh-huh. Um, to where well, you have well, control, and you
1: actually want to have that written in. You want to do that if if you have to sign off on the divorce before the the refinancing is in place. You actually want to put that deed of trust in place as part of the the, the agreement. Your divorce agreement. Uh, your divorce agreement should say that that the other spouse is supposed to be refinancing the house. And that until that happens, you want this deed of trust in place so that they understand from the very start, if I don't pay it, they can take the house back. So that gives them more incentive to pay it. You know, if I do that afterwards, that's too hard. That's true. That's way too hard. You don't want to work that hard. What no. you want to do is you want to get everything in place and have it signed off so that when, when, when the judge signs the, signs the final decree, all this stuff is in there. So that and the spouse understands that I've seen too many couples where they did not do this and they're they're are three, five years down the road still trying to get that person to refinance to get them off of their credit so they can buy a house of their own because mm-hmm. they can't buy a house of their own because they're still on the other mortgage. So there's so many things that by just taking some extra steps and I know everybody's in a hurry. Let's get this divorce over as fast as we possibly can. But I tell them, slow down, slow down. Just Just take a minute. And put all of these things in place because if you don't, you will be, you know, you'll have to pay the costs down the road.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And, and like you said, the alimony as not a first uh, preference, but, but certainly mm-hmm. also something you could do if, if you worked it out in, you know, like mm-hmm. you said, uh, in the divorce paperwork that you, that the alimony is allocated, that you're paying it in via through the mortgage right uh, or or something like that to where you know but it sounds to me like boy a lot of this gets so complicated very quickly i would think people would <laughs> want to be make a clean break and not have all this tied up with the house and and credit and so forth uh dependent on somebody that you're no longer even maybe want to talk to <laughs> so. yeah, no, your very best option is to sell the house. That is the very best option
1: uh, because then that's a clean break. I mean, you don't have to worry about anything. But, you know, like you said, some people just want to keep the house. And so if they do, then you need to put some things in place so that you don't have to suffer the consequences if your spouse does to get
0: to keep the house. So what are some of the reasons that people decide to keep the house? Do you? Well, it's it's one of the reasons to keep the house is
1: really if you can afford it, and this is the thing that you know I work with a lot of clients in terms of just really figuring out can they can they actually afford to keep the house? And remember, the house is not just um, the mortgage payment; it's also taxes and insurance and upkeep, and there's a whole bunch of things that come along with with keeping a house. And so it's really figuring out all of those costs. And I always tell them if If you have to have alimony or you have to have child support in order to make that happen, don't do it because those are risky things. You know, those can be there or they may not be there. You know, this people have a way of just not paying those things sometimes. And so then you could find yourself in a a world of hurt. Uh, So I always tell them, you know, if you if you depend on those things, then you can't afford it. Um, And another reason would be that you really plan to live there for a long time. This is your home, and you want to stay there. You're not going to be moving out uh, very soon, so that's another good reason to keep the house. And it could be a good investment. You know, it's uh, housing has a way of continuously growing, and the really good thing about it is if you decide at some point that you do do want to sell it, unlike other investments, uh, as long as the uh, as long as your 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 uh, profit is less than. if you're single, then you don't have to pay any taxes on it. So it can be a really good investment for people. Um, So it's, you know, there's, there's lots of, you know, there's, there are some really good reasons to keep the house. But number one, you have to be able to afford it.
0: Mm -hmm. Do, do most uh, of your clients that decide to keep the house? Do they um, and say that the other spouse buys them out or whatever? Do they, you know, typically, do you find that they hire, um, you know, two different appraisers, one hired by each? That's what I've seen yep. people do before and then come up with kind of meet in the middle as far as value. They do. Some, some of them do that. They do
1: hire the two. Some of them are able to just agree at the beginning on one person and just do the, the one appraisal and go from there. Because remember, um, in keeping the house, and that's something we hadn't talked about, in keeping the house, you have to give up something. You, you can't just, you know, you're not going to get everything and the house, you know. Uh, and so you, you need to, that's the other, that's sort of like the, the other side of the double-edged sword, is that if you're looking at keeping the house and that means that you're going to give up all the investments, you know, just to keep the house, then you're going to be kind of cash poor, you know, house poor at that point. So it's really understanding in keeping the house, what do I have to give up and mm-hmm. how, how important is that? If I have to give up all my retirement accounts to keep a house, can I make that up? I mean, is it worth it? So you really have to get into uh, into not
0: just I want the house. But what do you have to give up to keep the house? Mhm. Yeah, oh I would imagine that all has to be factored in. Uh sounds very complicated. Is is the um I I know your book you you write about uh getting a divorce and like really what every woman needs to know is the to protect themselves, is the house one of the main factors uh in your book or are is that one of several several things?
1: Uh, it's one of several things because there's all kinds of things related to divorce. You have you have the house, obviously. You've got retirement accounts and other investments that you might have. And depending upon the, your age, then there's Social Security things to be considered. There's insurance things to be considered, uh, uh, taxes. There's all kinds of things when you're going through a divorce that a lot of people don't even really think about at that time. But they can have a huge impact. On your future, because the decisions that you make during your divorce are not just for that moment; they can last for years, you know, into your life. So it's it's really important to to take a lot of different things into consideration, and not just uh, not just sort of bumble through. Um, when I got my divorce, I kind of bumbled through because I didn't understand half the things that I that I have in my book, and so it's it's important that. One of, the things that I, one of the things that sort of gets me a little bit is that divorce is, is still shrouded in secrecy. You know? We don't know a lot about it. Uh, every once in a while, we know a friend or two that's gone through a divorce, but we really don't understand that process. And so that's one of the things that I really get into in the book because if you don't understand it, then you're, you're at a disadvantage from the start. And so it's a scary situation. Uh, your emotions are going all over the place. And then you've got to deal with all these things. And as you said, it can get complicated. And um, who do you trust? And and what do you do during that thing? And so it's really important to get as much information as possible. And that's the real reason behind the book.
0: Yeah, I I can imagine. And it's one of those things that... um... You you don't know what you don't know, so right. you're you're going about it just uh, on raw emotion probably in most cases, and not doing your research, not doing doing your homework, and and you know it's not something that most people, if they get a divorce, they may only have get divorced once and maybe mm-hmm. twice, something like that, and so it's not something they're going to have a depth of knowledge of how to handle how to best handle it. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: But the but as I said, it's not a decision that to just has a momentary you know impact on your life it can have an impact on your life for years so it it really even though it doesn't happen that often it's something that you really do need to step back and really take a look at the implications of it and get as much information as you possibly can.
0: That's so true. And in fact, a, a good friend of mine, she got a divorce a number of years ago. And I can remember she was like you were describing uh, someone who just wanted it over, wanted it clean, you know, wanted to start start her, her life over. And, you know, she didn't get the house and, uh, you know, and it, it was unfortunate because I think it's one of those things that in hindsight, uh, she probably would have done things way differently had she taken a breath and kind of you know, made, um, made some wiser decisions in real time while it was happening, mm-hmm. you know, instead of it being too late later down the road. Right. Absolutely. So that, um, so what, um, just kind of in wrapping up, what would be, because it sounds like your, your book, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it sounds really good. Well, hopefully I won't need it. <laughs> Been married a long time, don't plan on going anywhere. <laughs> oh, well,
1: I hope you never need it then.
0: <laughs> but, but, um, but it just sounds like just from a financial um, aspect, it just sounds like such a good read for anyone who's even thinking about getting a divorce or knows somebody and wants to get the book, um, you know, minding your money and how to get divorce Without Losing Your Blouse, What Every Woman Needs to Know to Protect Her Future. Uh, so check that out. Where, where, in fact, can people find your book? Is it on Amazon, or how can they, how can they it's, find it?
1: It's absolutely, it's on Amazon. It's, it's in all the bookstores, um, and uh, it's also in Kindle version. There is an audiobook version. So there's, there's lots of ways that they can, can tap into the book.
0: And, and what about, do you have um, a website that people can go to and also buy it there? Oh, absolutely. You can go to my website, which is PSworth,
1: worth dot com, And they can go there. They can find everything about, uh, about the book divorce and all of those kinds of things that are on the website there.
0: Well, terrific. That's great. And do you have one kind of best tip of, uh, advice or piece of advice that you'd like to share before we close out?
1: Uh, Absolutely it's like uh, as you said, divorce is not something that people do every day. It's something very different but I think that with the uh, with the advent of the internet today, there's so much information available. Please do avail yourself of information if you're going to be going through a divorce because there's so many aspects of it that you need to to really take into consideration. And by all means, remember divorce is a business transaction. So try to keep your emotions out of it as much as possible and think of it as you would any other business transaction very seriously.
0: Well, that's terrific advice. And I tell you what, I think you're going to help a lot of people that, uh, that will hear, hear this episode and check out your book and, and be better prepared to make uh, some wise planning decisions. So this wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show where we are keeping it real in real estate. So until next time.
1: of the pain 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 of pain of the pain of the pain